as Void Walker takes the entrance exams for the Golden Horizon Academy, our heroes wait patiently for an opportunity to finally uncover the mystery about how high-profile teen superheroes have been disappearing and reappearing at this institution of learning. Will they be able to put aside domestic and suburban disputes long enough to accomplish their mission? Will they go for ice cream again? What other surprises this episode reserves for our editors of this comic book? Where are we? Ludo, we're in Tokyo. So don't you don't you remember? Are you okay? Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> so are you ready to go check the results of the entry exams? <sighs> Define ready. <laughs> I mean, I guess Johnny's probably ready because he did explicitly with his weird future powers. He kind of knows that Voidwalker passed. So, so yes. Okay. So yeah, you are standing in front of the big billboards with all the results and uh, you are very cautiously moving through the other parents and prospective students trying to figure out where your name is and your scores and if you made through the cutout and you are having problems finding um, Alyssa's name. I mean, this feels like a pretty uninteresting answer to this problem, but is there any way to tell how these things are organized and where? Yeah, from highest score to lowest. Gotcha. So I'll start at the bottom and you start at the top and we'll, when one of us finds it, we'll give a yell. Yes. On board. This seems good. Yeah. <laughs> and then we meet in the middle and we kiss. Finally, I'm resolving the sexual tension in the room. <laughs> So Bart actually finds it quite easily, like a dozen from the bottom. And Alisa just goes, and ah! like, yeah, like, this is an extremely low score. You are confident that she had at least three times this score. And even before all the preparations that you did, this makes no sense. What the, um... Jensen, I think there must be some sort of an error here. I think the same thing. Perhaps we should look into reaching out to a, a member of staff that might have some insight on this one. I agree wholeheartedly. Would, yeah, would we know who to, who to go talk to and be like, hey, this can't be right? Uh, yeah, you ask around and they say, oh, you went to go to the administrative secretariat in case you have any questions about the results of the exam. Uh, yes, we do have a few follow-up questions. Would you mind pointing my, or pointing us in their direction? Yeah, and they point you to a big building with a wooden facade over tiny bricks, and uh, it's basically three floors of all these administrative front, and you are sent there, and you wait around 40 minutes, and finally, a woman there comes to you. So, this is the the results of the exam and she makes a copy and leaves to you I'll be sending these back to be see if there is any problem you can immediately see 
that uh, this is not being scored properly. But you recognize by the way that it's being scored and the notes that this is a cipher. One of the many those ciphers that are used and that on this first scoring of the exam, someone, probably the doors inside the school, has written you a message. Only of us hanging. Oh, Jensen, what does this mean as I had the test dramatically? Yeah, would I be able to, to crack this quickly? Yeah, I would say so. Or at least enough on the time that it takes for them to, you know, emergency rescore. You get the message that... Uh, they have contacted, managed to flip a student that seems to be involved in whatever bug program they have running up. And you learn that uh, the student is Carrietta White, which is an American student that has been here on a stipend, and uh, she is a telekinesis pyromancer, and uh, she has been here on the part of this grant and was involved on the terms of the grant into means to help her have a normal teenage life by her powers. And she is not happy with how that is going and she wants an out and she will be a contact for you possibly to learn what the hell is happening. And uh, the DOS is also scheduling an interview for that, for you to meet with her. Okay, I think I just take all of that down as as, like mental notes. And I make sure that like I look through the test and I flip through it like a few times just to make it look like I'm really looking at the, the content of the test and also just make sure that I have all of that information very clearly locked in. And then when I hand it back, I say, um, I think there may have been a, uh, a scoring mistake. As I'm looking at it, I'm noticing there are some errors and discrepancies here. We would love to uh, have this looked at again if someone wouldn't mind helping us on that front. That would be very, very appreciated. And uh, yeah, they come back a hour later. I'm really sorry, but uh, these things sometimes happen when you only have one day to secure so many exams. Uh, yeah, there's, there was a problem with the key and uh, and interpreting it. Uh, we did a very quick appraisal and uh, we have assigned a new score. And it is a bit above the cutout margin. Oh, excellent. I knew that our dear Alyssa couldn't have uh, performed that way. Yes, it seemed very out of character. And uh, I turned <laughs> back. I turn back to the person who has been helping us and I say, and thank you again for taking time out of your day. I, I absolutely understand. Mistakes happen to everyone. You know, thank you so much for your for your time and for your assistance. And uh, hopefully we will have the chance to meet again under more casual circumstances. Do you leave the academy with the news? So what do you do next? Alice is still sweating too much. Like, these last two hours have been hell for her. Also, she does not know about the cipher. We go get more ice cream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did we discuss whatever what all the characters' favorite flavor of ice cream is last session? Did I miss that? Yes. Yes, you missed it. What are they? <laughs> so I think I said that Johnny's a Rocky Road kind of guy. I forgot mine already. Sorry. <laughs> if I didn't say that before, I'm saying it now. Johnny's a Rocky Road kind of guy. I'm saying it forcefully. Chocolate peanut butter for John Doe. 
Yeah, Void Walker, Florestanera, and Fiore de Latte. I think in my head, as she orders it, I'm just like, I just say, I, like, it, it's completely internal, but I'm just like in my head saying, like, you know how to order that and you don't know how to read. Well, one of these things is clearly important. I mean, priorities. Let's see. You're not wrong. Pack specifically chocolate peanut butter and a waffle cone. <laughs> so I guess you eat the cone. Yeah, of course. Like certain people. That's Johnny doesn't eat the cone. So he doesn't like the texture. Genuinely, if John sees Johnny throwing the cone, I'm just like, you're not going to eat your cone? No, I, uh, I, I, don't, I don't care for the texture. Then why don't you order a, a cap? Like, what? Yeah, the cone's the best part. I didn't... Why don't you order a cap if you are not going to eat it? I'm going to be entirely honest with you. I did not realize that there was an option for a cup in that particular establishment. I would have ordered a cup. What if it's like a pretzel cone? That still a lot of the time doesn't really hit right. I do. I mean, I do like the sort of flavor contrast. I like the salt, you know, kind of against the against that. That is good. But, uh, you know, that kind of just that flavor just sort of gets into the ice cream. And then uh, again, the, the, you know, it's like a crispy thing that you that has gotten mushy. I, you know, I just don't I don't care for that. You, oh, you eat your ice cream slow. OK. I take the time to enjoy my ice cream. It's not that weird. Like, I, just, I take, I don't just rush through it. It's not a race. I'm just like, you know, just I'm going to die one day. As I would like to have taken the time to savor the ice cream that I got in this life. I enjoyed my ice cream plenty, even though I ate it on the way back to the apartment. <laughs> Johnny just very pointedly stares at John as he takes this, just like a spoon and scoops up like some half melted ice cream out of his cone and just like puts it in his mouth and he's like that's an interesting point hold on hold on are you using a spoon with the cone just i've decided i'm no longer taking opinions or questions on my ice cream eating habits am i the only one who thinks this is weird why did you not order on a cup I already told you because I didn't realize cups were an option in that particular establishment. I didn't see them out on the counter. But they had a spoon. If they have a spoon, they probably have cups too. I mean, that's that's like, you're not wrong, but I mean. Then you could have just upgraded to a sundae, got like all the other toppings and stuff too. Absolutely not. Why would I defile just the purity of a flavor of ice cream by just shoving a bunch of shit on top of it? I'm just saying there's a time and place for a sundae construction sort of thing. And then there's like enjoying the platonic ideal of a specific flavor of ice cream. Did, Did you just talk shit on sundaes? No, I just said that there's a time and a place for a Sunday. If I had wanted a Sunday, I would have gotten a Sunday. I wanted a flavor of ice cream, and I got that flavor of ice cream. John Doe just sits there staring, blinking, not staring, just looking right at Highwayman, just blinking slowly. Don't, don't look at me like that, or I'm going to sew sleeves onto all your shirts. I mean, look, I'll just burst out of them. You've seen me do that multiple times. Yeah, I know, but you're going to have to do it all over again. Pretty good at a party. That'll just help me. I'll sew them on with nylon or something to make it worse. Oh, look, I'm sorry. I'm not a... I, I don't know. Are you sure you like... Say something only Johnny would know to prove you're not some sort of alien infiltrator. Canadian whiskey is garbage. That's a commonly accepted fact. Irish whiskey is also not great. All right. Pass the test for now. Also, I wouldn't have used Johnny in there. I would have used his proper uh, nom de guerre. But I do look and... Oh, Alyssa, you made it in. Yeah, I figured we will not be eating ice cream, so I did not. 
even if you haven't been very coy about it, what the hell happened? Oh, yeah. They, they use the scoring thing to conceal some information in there. And then I tell her, are we ever at any point safe to just say information like this if we're, like, in our apartment? Like, are we assuming the apartment's bugged? I assume at this point, because of how long we've been there, we've done enough, like, bug sweeps. Yeah, we can freely discuss these sorts of things. We probably shouldn't get into, like, well, nah, fuck it. It's comic books. If Luda's gonna have someone catch us, they they could catch us. Any person operative could catch us by just reading our minds. You know, that's a great point. Yeah. Maybe not John Doe. I think for the purposes of making sure we have shared information, I explain what's in the cipher without necessarily giving the specific details of, like, where we're meeting and when and like that sort of just like enough so that everyone has all the information and doesn't necessarily have where things might be taking place or what the name of this person is you know that kind of stuff so you want me to approach this student once I'm in or, or what are you air handling this the problem do we the cypher says they've arranged an interview with us stay close to them yeah maybe just Try to make, I mean, like, in, in the way that a, that a kid would at school try to make a friend. Yeah. Plus, it's always good to have friends. Yeah, like, approach her, but approach her casually or something. Like how? I don't know, stop casually. Well, I, I hate to say this, but as I have no memory of it, and Yokim's teenage experience is probably a touch different than the rest of ours. Hi, man, how do you approach people in high school? Like, you you know, crack a joke, join a club they're in, you know, it could be as simple as just like, hey, I like your shirt. I mean, it doesn't, you know, there's lots of ways to just sort of regular approach someone and start a conversation. Uh, I can't say that any of these are, I mean, like, I guess the club thing, that's sort of specific to high school. But like, you know, just, just, just like talking, just regular talking. Just, like, try to be pleasant and enjoyable to be around. Why is everyone staring at me like I'm, like, I've sprouted a second head? No, well, I've always heard uh, from the popular music and everyone I know who's spoken of it that high school is a miserable, terrible experience. Nothing like the real world. I mean, that's accurate, but not typically. This element of things is not 100% the reason why. It's, you know, sort of the general edifice of it that is kind of the most unpleasant element of it you know and uh, i feel like a lot of the time it's also like my parents are telling me what to do and i don't like it and that's just sort of like what the what's in a lot of them and like you know obviously we're not gonna be following that particular route so much so well but like what if it's really good for the cover that we ground there i mean i guess we'll cross that bridge when we come to it but we certainly don't have any logical reason to do that now and then I think Johnny just thinks on it for a second and he says, hey, I, I want to see how this how this phrase hits you. Alisa, you're grounded. How do you how did, did how did you feel about that? I mean, it's not like I can fly and not the airplane. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they haven't built a cage that can hold her. I think at this point, Johnny is making mental notes on just like, what are ways that I can pester Voidwalker when we get back to System 4? <laughs> just like, just some just some, some mild workplace revenge is, I think, what he's looking at at this point. He's just like, I swear to God, this is just like, I blame you for putting me through this. 
which is not true. It's entirely his own fucking fault. But John Doe using his superpower intuition is like, careful, Johnny, or else she'll uh, tell everyone at System 4 that you eat ice cream like a sociopath. Yeah, she can tell everybody. Just like, you know what? I've decided that actually all of you are wrong. Uh, all of you are wrong about your opinions on ice cream. And actually, I'm the only one with any taste or correctness on this matter. And I'm saying that as he like stops and considers for a second. And he's like, I guess the breadwinner of this family. Oh, I see how it is. I can't bring home a paycheck one week. That's it. I'm, I'm going. I'm. You're sleeping on the couch. I'm going home. I'm going to the room. Also, Elias is always the one that gets the bread. Listen, I won't have any more arguments in this house, or I will turn this apartment around. Yokim, you want to you want to argue about anything? Not really. You know, honestly, I respect that. That was just, we're we're all having a lot of fun here, but uh, but uh, yeah, we probably do need to sort of focus up. Yeah, I think they're just making dinner at this point, stirring some something or other. Well, you're still not the weirdest person with ice cream in System Four, anyway. Who is? Kenyana does not eat whole ice cream ever. She always stores at least half of it on the fridge. Is that weird? That's weird when you get it from the store and then you get home and you freeze it again. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, if we're talking like so, like what we just got and then taking that home and putting half of a like a, either a cup or a cone, whichever your just your whichever sort of your dark preferences, and then taking half of that and putting it in the fridge, that is pretty weird. I mean, yeah, that's. You see, I think that's pretty weird, but I don't know if it's weirder than eating the the cone with a not eating the cone. Anyways, so business. Enough about ice cream preferences. So we have the interview, and after that, you're in. Hopefully, depending how the interview goes. I guess we are now waiting for a letter. Summoning us. What do stressed out families do besides fight? So do you want to have a montage to make more boosts for until you get the date of the interview? Yes. I... Yeah. Okay. So what the each of you does? Have I done dinner yet? A dinner thing? I think I have. Not really. Okay. You did something cooking related for a boost, but it was more breakfast and studying. I'm going to do that. Yeah. This is not going to go well. Oh, well. Eh, not bad. It's, what, a plus two? Yeah, that's a plus two. So what is the boost? Home-cooked meal. What are the others making? Is John Doe going to make a dessert? I think John Doe's going to actually make a dessert. He's going to help. What dessert would John Doe make? Tiramisu. <laughs> it's, that's the most chaotic option I could imagine, so absolutely. John Doe is going to make a tiramisu. I got a five as well. I used intuition, random access memories, and a d6. Okay. So how does that come out? Does it come out well, or does it come out a disaster, but it's a heartwarming and family-bounding one? I think the heartwarming disaster. John Doe definitely, like, commandeers part of the kitchen. It's edible. I was honestly thinking of something a little bit sort of lighter, easier to pick up, like a card game. But I think, yeah, why not? We're playing Tunnels and Trolls. Okay, so is this your first time playing Tunnels and Trolls? Absolutely. 100%. Never done it before. Just, like, very confused. Who's jamming? Same. Who? Guess. Yeah, is it, vo- it, it 
I feel like it either has to be Voidwalker or John Doe. Well, Voidwalker has been kind of busy to prep. That leads to the question of what class does everyone play? Because Tiles and Trolls maps the, the class of D&D classes. That's a hard call. I'm playing a... Uh, I'm playing a, a, a ranger, probably. <laughs> that feels right. <laughs> Bouncing between what I usually play, which is either a rogue or a cleric. I think cleric. I think Joachim would like clerics. Uh, I, I can see that. What does Voidwalker play, Ludo? Hmm... You know the answer is whichever class can use, like, just uh, whichever class can either use bombs or uh, spells that make essentially the effect of a bomb. Feels just sort of right there. I think she plays a paragon. So a warrior wizard. Yeah, warrior wizard. Okay. This is a gremlin party configuration. Oh. Yeah, Johnny has no fucking concept of just like, which is like strategizing on this. Like, even though he is a strategy guy, he doesn't understand what the strategy is supposed to be. Honestly, the fact that he has had to create a character, he is deeply confused already by just sort of the entire edifice of the thing. Is is Johnny Jennings truly the knows lots about strategy guy is is very heavily role play guy? Uh, he's absolutely not is not the very heavily role play guy. He's he's so he's so completely confused by what by what is happening right now. Uh, he just keeps waiting. This is not like the Greek spill at all. <laughs> <laughs> he's waiting for the chance to he just wants a fight to start in the game. So he's just like, ah, OK, I can do fight. If this was modern day, he'd be on his phone all day, all, all the game until the fighting started. And it was his turn. I think honestly, he's just trying to look for like he he's looking through the rule book, trying to find the rules on how to do like social scenes <laughs> because he still just hasn't quite understood. Just like you just have to pretend to be a different person. So he's just like he's like, I don't understand. Where are the rules about this? Is it, the, like, do I need to do I need to roll a die about it or you, you just I mean, you can, but also you could just like pretend, man. It's OK. What do I pretend? Uh, I mean, pretend to be... Uh, John Doe looks at his character sheet. Uh, Sir Falcon of Keasley. It's actually... It's pronounced Falcone. Oh, Sir Falcone. And so you just respond in the way you think he would as a character. I, I gotta be honest. I'm not entirely sure that I understand what, what the kids are enjoying these days. But, like, sh- sure, yeah, I could... I could try that and then all of his replies are just like yes hey I keep being told that you make a big fuss about going to the theater in England do you think the actors think they are the characters I mean I know that but they're like doing a like a performance for for like an audience they're all right yeah I see what you I see what I see what you're getting at I have no fucking clue what's a role about this as far as just like this scene goes. I'm going to say I'm going to say precognition and leadership because that feels very appropriate here. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. The minute the combat starts, all of a sudden Johnny is like <laughs> Johnny is it's just like, all right, I fucking got this. And he just he has it over in fucking two rounds. Yeah, and then you know it's it, he becomes one of those annoying guys that starts playing your character too during combat. I shall do this this turn. It's an eight. 
Yeah, so you get a plus three boost. What is the what is the boost? I got one if you want it. As what you got? Family game night. Yeah. The next day you get you get a letter with the schedule of the interview, but there is a problem. It is basically one hour before your meeting with Carietta. So yeah. It's gonna be pretty close cut. And you are meeting in a cafe a bit away from the school, not to draw attention, so still have a walk before. Mm, it's gonna be tricky. So how do we wanna handle this? Yeah, so I guess we'll have to go from one to the other. It's gonna be close. We're gonna have to move fast. Yeah, I mean I'm not really seeing a way around around this we're kind of just gonna have to handle it quickly like voidwalker fast i mean how far can can you get us to the other meeting in time yeah i mean uh, hopefully without anyone in the school figuring out of my powers but yeah when voidwalker's teleportation is mentioned you do notice for a second that john doe gets a little more nervous if, if we can find some cover or something for sure uh what's our backup plan if we can't like to point out a quick planning thing that I think will help us here. We should just go to the location of the meeting in advance. At least one of us and Alyssa should, uh, should just go there in advance, make sure that she has a good grasp of what the environment's going to be so that she knows exactly where we need to be. Yeah, I, I second that. And that way, uh, if we have to take that, that avenue, there's not a lot of guessing. I'm sure there's an area nearby where we can, you know, peer without a lot of scrutiny happening, an alleyway you know, a bathroom somewhere. Yeah. Sounds like a solid plan. It's, I really hope we don't get into a dust up in the cafe. I would also hope that I would like us to not get into any kind of dust up in a public place whatsoever. Do we wear backup clothes underneath so we can be more casually dressed at the cafe and also blend in better in case it does turn into a dust up? I would say maybe we determine where we're going to appear and maybe have some clothing packages sealed and concealed on site. That way we can change. I mean, that sounds like a pretty wise move. Yeah, sounds like good precautions. We should scout out a little early to the ca- go to the cafe. I mean, hiding a package of clothes shouldn't be too hard. Just seems like it's going to be an interesting day, so everybody better stretch and drink plenty of juice. Johnny takes a sip out of his glass of juice. He says, it is good juice. Thank you so much for this, Elias. Did you hand squeeze these oranges? Uh, yes, I couldn't find the orange squeezer. Honestly, just like, I mean, for, for my money, this is, uh, it, I, it, it might actually be tasting better because, uh, because of sort of just the, the general level of care taken. Okay, so tell me how you come out to the conservatory the next day. We gotta be dressed up, but I don't think, even though John Doe's leg is bugging him, I don't think he's gonna be in the wheelchair. I think he's gonna be using a cane. I was so hoping. Because if we need to move fast, John Doe can leap, but he doesn't have to worry about leaving a leap a wheelchair behind. Because people ask questions. Also, he can just throw a cane at somebody's head. Yeah, I mean, John Doe also could fight with any weapons. Somebody set a dress code here. John Doe will be appropriately dressed, but I, I need him jumping off point. Like semi-formal, formal, black tie. I think black tie is probably the smartest. Yoki, uh, Elias looks very uncomfortable in black tie. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm wearing a suit. I don't know if that... 
Like, should I be I just like, should I go full blown tuxedo? That feels that may be too much. Yeah. Yeah. Just I'm, I'm just wearing like a nice suit. Just like, you know, a nice. Yeah, a nice suit. And I mean, we can do some interesting stuff with colors. I think mine's mostly just monochrome. It's like I, I think it's just a it's a, a very classic, uh, a classically cut black suit. I think. Am I wearing a fawn suit? Does that go together? I would say, yeah, you could do that. I would have a very nice uh, pocket square that uh, has. It's just it's it is kind of the splash of color. What if you have a fawn pocket square and I have a black pocket square? Oh, that's fun. I like that. Also, uh, I've just got some real, some very nice uh, silver cufflinks. Look at that. I've got like the tie clip. I've got. I mean, I'm just doing the whole the whole nine yards. Cufflinks are little crosshairs. Yes, absolutely. I was trying I, at first. I was going to say bullets, but then I was just like, that's a little too on the nose. But uh, crosshairs, that's cute. Black suit, black tie. I feel like maybe a light, like a light gray shirt instead of a white. I like it. I like it. I think I'm going fawn with a. I think I'll also go probably like a lighter gray shirt. I've got this. This is my the knot in my tie because it's my favorite goofy tie knot. Do we want uh, Elias to be in a kind of toned down from their usual fashion statements? You see, I actually think because there's a lot of interesting implications with Elias, including the fact that Elias may or may not be a bodyguard. Mm. (laughs) Elias is built like uh, they could throw a car through a county. Uh, So the throw a car through a car. So the brighter colors might actually work because it gives that air of mystery of the kind of things boarding schools eat up of like, ooh, this family says they're this, but they have a bodyguard. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's see. What color do I want to go with? And let's go with uh, kind of this very loud, but foresty green, more like a jungle green kind of suit with a blue cravat. And uh, I'm going to say popped collar with something that looks like a communicator in it. So, yeah. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. And your cufflink should be, you know what? I think very classically little runes. Yeah, that's what I was, I was thinking. Maybe they're a weapon of some sort of runes. That's runes sound better. As gross as this is going to sound, and it's a true fact about the bourgeois, it's not about what you're wearing. It's about your accessories that show where real money is. Yeah. The bourgeoisie is not a Persianic form of art that you cannot put a number next to it. So, uh, Alicia is, she has her hair down, very neatly tied, and she has a red um, tie and uh, blue jacket and uh, orange and purple skirt and she is wearing some nice shoes that go click 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 clackly still you know new shoes sounds that she finds very annoyed and you often catch her making small teleporting jumps before walking when you're not noticing her well, I think we're all dressed. We're all dressed to kill. Let's go kill this interview. And you're sitting on a luxurious hall that uh, a lot of families they are making disappointment, and uh, it seems like the headmistress of the academy herself is conducting the interview this way. And you are called inside, 
inside the room where this interview is being conducted. It's a nicely decorated studio where there is only a small table separating you from the people. And... But nobody is there now. And uh, the custodian at the door informs you. They have taken a little break now. They'll be here in five minutes and be ready to start your interview. And as you are left inside, you look out of the window and uh, you see a massive kaiju wrecking shit across Tokyo. Wait, what? (laughs) Sorry, what? It looks like a wicker man, but it is made of strated floating sinew and curdled blood and muscle pulsating around the main body that is a pillar of fire. Thanks, I hate it. Huh. Is it kaiju season already? Sorry, this is a um, this is a season? Chanto doesn't answer. And you get an ominous sense, Jensen, that, oh shit, this is Carrieta White. Yeah, I got that too when you said pyrotechnics. I did not get that, and I'm extremely worried. You can see artillery being deployed against her, and like, okay, if you don't take care of her you have no idea what is going to happen to her and that's your most clear way into figuring out what is happening at the same time uh, you're going to have an interview which is your way to get into the academy so you have a problem now Uh, it's a big problem I hate to split the party this way so out loud John Doe Excuse me. Let's let's fully assume the the legend here. Bartholomew Jones sits, leans his cane up against the wall, being sure to favor his good leg. Starts feeling his pockets. Oh, oh dear, Jensen, I do believe I forgot my lucky pocket watch at home. Should I send you? Should I go back for it, or should we send Elias? I will gladly go pick up the pocket watch if I'm not needed here. You're going to just... This is a family interview. They're going to be asked. You need to keep coming in and out. And a very despaired Void Walker looks around and she gets to the corner of the corridor where there is a massive jar and she throws the plant out and does something to the jar. There, it's connected to the cafe. You can just come in and out, back and forth out of the city. Okay. I don't think Joachim's ever fought something this big. (laughs) White, she pulsates with uh, pyrokinesis and creates a shield of fire that makes a bunch of the artillery rounds explode in contact, only increasing her shield. So that's going to be a boost of fire shield plus one. And as you are going through this process, the three people that are making the interview come in. And the one that stands out the most is 
the headmistress of the conservatory. She is very tall on her late 50s, has a long white hat and has a kind but chiseled smile. Next to her is who seems to be the faculty doctor. He's this German-looking guy of a sealed expression and dead eyes. And next to the two of them is this short-stocked little wolverine of a man that has the energy that you can only describe as a psycho SAS guy and uh, a retired sergeant that seems to be who handles the security and disciplinary board of the school. The headmistress, she introduces herself and um, hello, we have seen the result of your child, Lisa Jones, and we usually will not extend this to a family such as yours and but we were impressed by her demeanor and her academic performance so we are at least extending you the courtesy of this invitation my name is Baroness Madeline Pariot and this is my school and she does a plateau boost in control and she gives one of you the hinder out of place. Uh, it, I think it's I think it's me. I think it's John. Highwayman does have that academia experience. And let's the Baroness hand off to Bart then. As I sit down, I'm going to uh well it's a pleasure. I'm I'm Bartholomew Jones, you can just call me Bart. And I'm so glad you would give us this wonderful opportunity, especially for our darling daughter. And uh, I'm going to use... I'm going to cash in my plus two, uh, because I think it's the funniest counter to that. My heartwarming disaster boost. It's just such a pleasure to be here. And I'm going to throw my opening blow, my classic. The plus two just cancels out my penalties altogether. I got a five. All right, so she's not impressed by my outlaw charms. Not at all. Which is like, yeah, we just took a small break. It's not like anyone has changed genders and name in the meantime. So, yeah, it's just a, a small, a small break for the bathroom. You know. <laughs> uh, so, Brad, who is going to be next? So far, we have the academy, which has an action, Alyssa. Aka Voidwalker, the Doctor, Aka German guy, you, oh no, no, excuse me, Joachim, Aka Elias, you, and Sergeant Aka, Aka Psycho SAS man. Some of the bad people go so that we can react to the things they do. <laughs> Tag the Sergeant to go next. How do you pass? So last action I made was an impassioned argument in favor of Alyssa getting to join the school. And I can see that the sergeant really has something he wants to say. So, of course, I'm just, oh, uh, sergeant, of course. And I pass it to him. Now, this is all very well, but uh, we run here with the biggest discipline that we can muster. It's not like for anyone. 
Now, young lady, are you sure that you could wake up in f- at 4 a.m., make a rope out of foreskins, and salute the queen? And Vodolka just, what? I'm sorry, what? Did that man just say make a rope out of foreskins? Yes, that's what you gotta do. Do you? That's eight damage coming towards Void Walker, and she did not save, so now she's up to a D6. I'm gonna be real with you. I feel like I, in real life, just took eight damage. I just took eight psychic damage here. It's me, Sam, not Johnny Jennings. Yeah, uh, and now imagine me having to listen to the ramblings of uh, sergeants to their squaddies. Alicia just, what? What can you even talk about? What? What? What is even the question? She's utterly stunned. No, 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 dear Sergeant Wallace, we are not drilling students. It's very easy to forget that these are no longer the barracks. I know that your retirement has not been sitting well with you, but we need to look into our students and uh, their hobbies and their interests and to see that we are able to welcome them just as they come to us. I'm sure that if we let the young lady talk, she can elaborate on what she likes to do. And he creates a boost disarming presence and uh, uh, you got reassured for 7 HP. Hell yeah. Oh fuck. Is this guy our like our mole? No, is he? It's a good moment to Jensen. Okay, so sorry. Uh, uh, there's a, sorry. There's a lot of things happening over here on my end of things. What's what just happened? Someone was reassured. I think that was Bart was reassured for seven points of health by the which one? Not the sergeant. The other one. The doctor. Her doctor. Okay. And what was the question that was just posed? Yeah, basically it was going on. Oh, now let's not even focus that much on discipline. Let's let's talk about hobbies and interests and uh, let the young lady talk what she likes. So it feels like I should at least highlight her athletic prowess. We've already seen her on the baseball field. She's very creative. I, I was trying to figure out if I should if I should Yeah, I guess I should drop in channel or tunnels and trolls. I kinda went to hear how Jensen describes tunnels and trolls. Don't forget, we're several years before the satanic panic, meaning D&D is not yet the tool of the devil. That's true. Okay, yeah, no, it's it's not socially unacceptable yet. Uh, yes, I'm trying to figure out... I'm assuming I'm going to end up doing something mechanically for this, right? Yes, I mean, it's still combat happening. Okay, so the doctor seems like he's kind of created a space for us. The sergeant is the one who was hmm, but the only ones that haven't acted this round are the academy and then Alyssa and Elias. Also, ultimately, the baroness is the headmistress of the school, so... Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna try and boost her. I'm gonna do... Load? Yeah, and I think I'm going to frame it through kind of the idea of oh, well, Elisa is uh, brings just a lot to the table. Uh, she's a very capable athlete, and she, uh, you know, has a great deal 
that she uh, that she does as far as creative work on the side. She bonds with her with her peers. She she's a great organizer. She has a lot of great qualities, not just as a student, but also as just a you know a, a figure in the community and and someone who would make a fantastic future leader in the world. And that's the best that I can do as far as that. I'm going to roll boost now. So they're both fives. So it's plus two, both of them. So two plus twos. Going to call one of the plus twos. Go ahead, sweetie. <laughs> the way a parent says it, you know. I'm going to call this one Tunnel Keeper. Okay, so who you hand off to? Okay, yeah, I'll pass it to Elisa. Yeah, she's going to lose the go ahead, sweetie. And she gets a six, so plus two, eight. I, I know that I'm not type of student that you usually receive here, but I think if you give me an opportunity, you can find me that I'm full of surprises. I I have a talent to learn new things. I love games. I love to see what games can do for people. I, I am very used to whatever little games people play, and I can master any form of etiquette, just like any other protocol. I think you will not be disappointed for having me around. And she rolls a four. So she actually managed to decrease the Baroness to an eight. Excellent. Hell yeah. So the Baroness has a smirk as she sees from her tea. It's like, oh, this one thinks that she can change things around, doesn't she? And Alisa passes. So, Elias, you are fighting, well, you basically you popped out into the ruins of the coffee after teleporting to there, and uh, you see mm-hmm. around you the flames projected by the kaiju form of Karieta as her floating tendons seem to cover themselves on flaming grease and uh, you see the bloody apparition of her skeleton inside, so what do you do? The only thing I can think of is punch it, or anybody else got some suggestions? Punch it as hard as you can. Punch it in the psychic. Is that anything? See what I get. That's a six. Minus six damage. She got a seven. Ah, of course she did. The boost. Yeah. So tell us how punching is not working very well against this guy just sizes the enemy. Covered in flames. Berserkier just does what Berserkier does best and charge in only to be slammed into the wall of a skyscraper by one of the flaming tendrils. Doesn't take any damage from it, but it stops the punch, definitely. I guess I hand it off to the Academy. Void Walker just finished saying this. The door opens and uh, a student comes in because you give a side glance to the uniform. I'm sorry, is, is Dr. Spiegel here? We have a medical emergency. One of our students, she seems to have collapsed. That's when you get a good look at the student and you realize it's Lord Durax wearing the Academy's uniform. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> sorry! Okay, I, I, I very rarely ask to do this. 
kind of, what the fuck did you just say to me? Uh, hold again. What? Hey, <laughs> hang on a second. <laughs> is, okay, I need to, this is so important. This is so important, Ludo. This is incredibly important. Uh-huh. Is he, wear, is he uh-huh. wearing a wig? Yes. Uh, is it, what color is it? It's blonde. Perfect. I fucking knew it was gonna be just a blonde wig on the. I was imagining brunette. Why? I don't know. Why is this happening? I have to ask an important counter question, Ludo. Does mm-hmm. it, is there clearly a moment where we all look at each other and recognize that we are all in disguise, or does he not see through ours? No. <laughs> oh, good. He thinks all humans look the same. Okay, we're safe. Alice uh, is not even looking at him. Also, how is he here? He was put in the center of the earth. Comics. I mean, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> well, you take a good look, and there's something off about him. It's like, he seems somehow younger. I would argue that there's several things off about him, being that he is an alien in a private school uniform and a blonde wig that we put into the center of the earth, and now he's here anyways. It's one of the clones. Yeah, my super intuition says this is the first American-grown clone of Lord Durax. Yeah. And uh, they're definitely, like, indoctrinating uh, Lady Durax. Possibly still Lord Durax. We don't know what his preferred gender is. I think if I recall correctly, I don't know if he has a gender. I think we've been using he, but it's just kind of... It's just sort of the, the single gender. So there's now a, a challenge, which is dealing with whatever the fuck this is now in the table. Oh, now we have to do a challenge. <laughs> yeah, it's just been so easy so far. Yeah, everything was super chill and easy before. Uh, so I guess it's only appropriate that I give this off to because Sam was the one that gave the biggest what the fuck. So Johnny is definitely, I mean, like certainly surprised, but I think he is fairly used to kind of keeping a lot of that close to the vest. What with, you know, the fact that he has seen all kinds of insane things in his life. So he's kind of used to hiding that surprise. But yeah, he's definitely pretty shocked right now. And I think he is going to try and deal with that. The challenge going to be basically getting this directs to go away is that right uh yeah or basically it's it's this is gonna complicate the interview because it's gonna remove the doctor from the scene so this challenge may somehow preventing that i think i would probably say something to the effect of like just like oh oh i can uh i can facilitate making sure that this student ends up with proper medical care if you all want to continue or continue the interview i don't want to i don't want there to be any sort of disruption here uh, let me go ahead and go ahead and oversee that if they just need a, a caring adult on the scene i'm happy to help with that okay so roll for it is there a way that i can flash back to how i prepared for this exact situation using my max die i mean what is parenting except being ready for a medical emergency at any time you know what? That's a great point. I would have almost certainly like a parent, just sort of a parent playbook that I would have come up with for all of this. I think I probably would have planned on using it for Elisa, but you know, just I can take that to another kid. It went bad. It went really bad. I got a three. You went to fail, and the the challenge is still there. Or you want a major twist? This feels like such a critical point in all of this that I should not introduce additional threats. I think I should fail it. And nonsense. You are a guest in our school. This is something that a nurse should probably take care for 
until I get ready to join. And uh, the doctor, the stress to me has turned as possible with a child without being an asshole, as he tries to imply to Dorax to go back and wait with the nurse until he can join them. But uh, Lord Rex is not getting, and uh, she's kind of fretting around, uh, waving arms, kind of, come on, come on, it is really an emergency. So who you end off initiative to? I'm, I'm going to try to hand this to the doctor so that the doctor can maybe move through that kind of quickly. Okay, the doctor are going to use the booster. They got a four, so that is a six. So as a six... They're gonna get a minor test. The minor test is that they're gonna be out for a round. So they see that Darth Durax is not going around, so he gets up. I will be here in a moment. And he is out of the scene. Bart. I think that there's going to be a certain character that seems going to start hooting at this. Because Bart is going to. You see, not only does Alyssa have her vast creative achievements, but I genuinely mean this without ego, without an attachment to her because she's our beloved daughter. She is one of the most gifted baseball players and athletes I've ever met. She quite literally can hit a run from anywhere. She can play most positions. She's a gifted sportswoman. I'm going to roll my uh, my power strike, my attack using close combat with my max die, but trying to appeal to this I'm attacking, I'm both attack headmistress with this, but I'm hoping to get this SAS freak on our side. So let's see what I get. That's a good roll. Holy shit. Well, she rolled a three. She has- Fuck yeah. She seems genuinely impressed. Oh, really? Baseball, you say? Baseball. She better not be a Yankees fan. Alyssa is an absolute... Sultan of SWAT. She could give any great pitcher a run for their money and win. We have a very good baseball club. We we are currently picking a new team captain. The the favorite seems to be who is it again? Sergeant Wallace? Oh uh, Dion Hanuminako. She is a fierce one. She comes from a long-standing military family. I think her grandfather was uh, head officer during World War II. Good breathing, good fitness, excellent in every aspect. Promising. Definitely the best baseball player that we have. I wonder how the little one can hold against her. I wonder that myself too. And we should give her an opportunity to try out for the baseball team. Rather than continue having me tell you, Alyssa, why don't you, why don't you tell them a little bit about your love for the game? I'm going to hand off to Alyssa. He's out. Because she rolls a 5 and he rolled a 3 on the d12. She gets this murderous glance, which she quickly transforms in a mocking smile. (laughs) I sure could go for a match right now. I only need to take this and put on some comfortable shoes. And I could show... What did you say again? This Minako, who has come to challenge her. Of course, without the good sportsmanship that my papa taught me. And the sergeant says, Well, <clears throat> definitely she has a fierce spirit. I, <clears throat> this will be 
Very interesting to observe. I think the Baroness can agree. Mm-hmm. I can see that you have a recommendation from one of our members. Too bad that you need at least two. And I don't see anyone else but me. So who do you end up to? Let's start at the top and work our way down. I'll hand off to the Baroness. The Baroness does not seem that impressed. Now, young lady, this is not behavior that we expect from this academy. You are crossing into the borderline route, and I cannot let you interact like that with the other students, with the rest of the student body. And it's five versus five, so Void Walter thanks that, and she loses the he smile. Oh, pardon myself, and she takes out under shift and covers her mouth. Please, Baroness, excuse me, I got overly excited. I do love my games, as I told you, and I really love baseball. I forgot myself for a moment. Another student comes in. You get the vibe from the way that the Baroness gets in, that this seems to be what passes as a troublemaker in this academy, even if... uh, you will not see anything but the proper scion of a wealthy family. And you see Chicken in immediately darting. Baroness, please, you cannot be holding auditions like this. It's beneath you. My parents will be disappointed with the level that this prestigious academy has gone to. And you can see the Baroness releases a polite gasp. Please, Miss Kelly, you must remember that for our academy to have a future, it has to grow and change. After all, just a few years ago, someone as base and novorish as your family that only made their money through the West Indies company will not have been accepted. So now we have this class bickering happening in the middle of the interview wasting your time of, you know, going dealing with a kaiju. Speaking of a kaiju, it's white. Which uh, she turns around and she steps on Elias. She just blasts the wall of the skyscraper where they are, turning it into an oven and baking them in. So that's five damage going towards Elias. Like, describe me a scene right now where I am. Like, we have a pretty good definition of what's going on in the headmistress's office. So, Carita White is on her cage of forms. There are helicopters. There are artillery shells landing all around. Mm -hmm. She is on, again, she is basically her skeleton for is with encasing her brain in the middle of this form of stretched tendon animated through fire and uh, psychic energies and yeah and she's going around stepping on things projecting uh, psychic power telekinesis through creating fire out of nowhere and yeah and nothing really seems to be slowing her down well, I'm going to do a power strike with uh, one of the cannons, I guess, just to be cool. Yeah. One of the abandoned cannons. Yeah. Basically one that the guys yeah. got too scared and they ran away. 
Yeah, turn it into a baseball bat. Yeah, basically. Ugh, I'm not rolling too hot. Well, she's rolling great. She's got the 10. I mean, a 7's pretty good. 7's pretty good. Yeah, the, the, again, the problem is that she rolled a 10. Yeah, it's it's a good strike. But the problem is you basically explode what passes as an arm, just stretch your tendons, but it's already not a shape that tendons should be, and they were already stretched too thin. So they scatter in for kilometers, but then with the swish sound, they come back together again. Oh, I'm gonna be sick after this. So new round, so you can pick anyone. I can. We are yellow now. Yay, I can do other things. I'm going to have white go respond to that. Yeah, and the carrieta is going to try to hit you again. And this time, she seems to be spending more and more of the energy putting herself together. So this time, instead of baking uh, Elias under this inferno it's just a small jet of animated flame that becomes like a kind of a sand elmo dancing around and chasing them and that's three damage going her way so and i guess she hand offs to Elias again all right uh i'm gonna go ahead and try and hinder her now with a uh, modification wave trying to draw some of that energy off her Good, good. Nice. Minus two. Psychic tap. Yeah, psychic tap. I'm trying to drain some of this energy she's producing off of her. So who do you give to? Hand it over to Bart. I'm going to, with this girl having burst in and started starting a fight with the Baroness uh, and her critiquing my beloved daughter for being rude. Hold on. I need to assume the proper. I need to tap into the game of mom's energy of John Doe. You see, Baroness, sometimes I think that a high spirit and eagerness can be misinterpreted as rudeness, which I do believe is what happened here with Alyssa. I don't think there are any rude students at this academy, but I think that it produces such wonderful young minds that they're often high spirit and energetic about the things they're confident in. That's why me and my partner love it for our daughter. I'm going to use, actually, I'm going to use different combination of stats. I'm going to use strength, uh, banter, and a d6. I'll take the minus one, and I'm going to use principle of uh, amnesia, because this is a fresh approach to this problem, trying to be like, look how good this rude student is. How does a nine sound, Ludo? Sounds great. So, yeah, the Baroness gives a glance at Kelly. I say, see, see, see. Yeah, yes, you are probably right. It's not like it could lessen in any way the student profile of this conservatory. And yeah, and uh, the troublemaker of the conservatory, Kelly Phillips, just walks out ashamed. I'm sure there will be no consequences from this. So who do you hand off to? I'm going to hand off to Sam. I am going to... I'm de- I know I'm definitely going to use called shot. And I think the way that I'm going to do it, I want to play off of what just happened and say that just, oh, Baroness, I'm, I'm so sorry. This must be, this must be one of the 
the constant struggles of having to administer over the children of, of those in this area that, that there's always something coming up but our uh, you know you've you've spent some time with our Alyssa and you as we've said you know she is very capable and creative and athletic and uh, she uh, has a gift for helping other students I'm sure she would be perfectly happy to perhaps uh, help you with some administrative tasks just some things to take some some weight off of your plate uh, it shouldn't it's not fair to you to have uh, all of these students simply bursting into your doors all of the time that's not something that should happen in a place like this our Alyssa would be very happy to assist you there um, that's what I'm going to do for call shot it's a four it's a four on that one but I create a boost with my eight this is a plus three that I'm going to title it can't get any worse <laughs> so a four huh yeah uh, she rolled it too that's your lucky I'm extremely lucky. So, yeah, so she's now to a D4, but she's still on the table. And she says, no, no, that will not do. You see, being the headmistress comes with certain responsibilities, and meet the parents is one of that. It is not a burden. It is a job that I greatly enjoy. So you will hand off to? I will hand off to... Oh, I'll hand off to Elisa. So Elisa says, well... I look forward to having more meetings between the four of you then. Alisa gives a little curtsy and Vernes nods. <laughs> it seems we are done here for today. I look forward to seeing how you do in our school, Miss Alisa Johnson. Hell yeah. Immediately after the interview is over, definitely nothing happened in between. <laughs> No, absolutely not. Of course nothing happened in between. Not a thing. It's all chill and fine and normal. You rush in to the end of the corridor to get towards the teleporting that you might join Berserkir fighting off Kaiju White. But as this is happening on the battlefield, the flaming form at the core of what passes for white just releases this unspeakable screech that distorts reality and as Berserkir avoids getting struck by it they realize that it was able to echo through the gate that Floyd Walker created and a shadowy smaller fire sprite kept together by psionic energy comes from the teleport and starts setting fire and causing chaos on the corridor standing between our heroes and rejoining their companion on the wreckage of Tokyo so now we have the Psy Storm avatar which is a D8 lieutenant and who would be a good person to go next okay let's go with Jensen Okay, so the Psy Storm has come through the portal, yeah. To the to the conservatory. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't know what this would be necessarily in terms of game mechanics, but I would like to at least try to find some way to push that Psy Storm back through the portal so we can follow it. Maybe not like physically push, because it's a storm of psychic energy, but that is basically as part of an existential action that you also take them with you and you move locations 
this is we've really moved into some peak comic book bullshit with this particular thing that I'm doing. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to use Inflict and I'm going to essentially transmute the portal mm-hmm. so that it, it's not just a portal. It basically has a pull to essentially like pull us through to the other side. So hopefully that it will also pull this psychic storm in with us so that it kind of pulls us all. And then maybe that portal will just close or at least we can be like, hey, Voidwalker, close this portal. <laughs> So maybe you will modify matter in the other hand so that it's so dense that it has a gravity pull that drags you in. Yeah, I think, yeah, that that makes sense to me. Okay, so I got a seven on the attack and then a four for the hinder. That would be a minus one, right, for the hinder? That's already minus two. So the Psy Storm is pulled to the other side. It's been torn apart and gets this hinder. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I think the way this kind of manifests is just like the the damage itself comes from just the gravity crush, which is also what the hinder is. It's just like it is just the crushing weight of gravity where there was not any before. So and do you follow through the gate? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think I just turned to John and just in a continued sort of playing up the husband's dynamic darling, shall we? <laughs> And just like, and then I just like sort of just step through the portal. Who's next? I'm going to hand off to Bart. As Jensen goes through, it's well, age before beauty, but John jumps through the portal and is just going to knit. It is going to fly and kick Psystorm. And with that, when we come through the portal, I'll look at Berserk here. Elias, do you mind finishing this and pass to them? Where did this come from? Uh. I think I'll do a power strike. Might as well keep it simple. I got a seven. So the with the D4, they cannot save. So yeah, you obliterate this psychic after manifestation that uh, White was able to replicate. Might as well be Alyssa. She is still pretty rattled. And she looks at the Kaiju and believing. It's like, should we still be fighting here? Not sure this is a good idea. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where else to fight. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the ocean. Right. Like we can walk on water. We can walk on her. Oh, she's that big. And I thought she was on fire. Like she's kind of on fire. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think we might just want to try to wrap this up quickly. All right. Here, let me try something. And she reaches out and extends her bat. Jensen, you are very sensitive to matter. And it changes. We already got that on the English arc. When you fight next to Voidwalker, how does it feel when it seems like matter is being cut and quickly glued together? rather than a clean teleport. This thing that is normally like just very like sort of intrinsic for him. Like he has just sort of a natural perception of material around him. And in this case, it's that part in Avatar The Last Airbender where Toph is talking about how, you know, normally she sees with her feet and she has, that's how she navigates the world around her. And then when they go into the desert, she's talking about how it's harder to see because it's all sand and everything's a little bit shakier and sort of unsteady. It kind of goes from that firm perception into just like everything is a little bit sort of tenuous so I think there is a natural level of just sort of unease 
comes with this for him because everything is so in flux. Um, so it feels like that sense is kind of dampened almost. Uncomfortable, it's not necessarily like bad, and he I think he gets it. He's been around Voidwalker when she has used her powers some before, maybe not to this extent, but it is unsettling for him. So yeah, that's the best way I can figure out how to describe that. And one thing is in the normal situations, another is during a situation of violence. And in this case, these flashes of nothingness, they are so constant in such a rapid succession that it's almost like you are operating on blind sight. The information is being bombarded on you and your brain cannot process. And instead, it just overrides your conscious mind in the reaction. For the others, they just see Void Walker extend the bat and like her hand is cutting slices through space. There are just this after image which seem to be cuts of nothingness. After she manages in long enough, she appears next to the core of Carietta and severs the space around it and with a sudden whoosh, both her and the core appear next to you, the skeleton covered in flames, separated from the mass of tentons. This is gonna be a minus three hinder. Let's do the academy. Yeah, we might as well go ahead and get that over with. Because they did not change the locations of the fight, there are a lot of bystanders still around. And the mass of tendons separated from Carietta, they try to reform white, and they do so by seeking the nearest life. And you can see just tendons whipping through the air as they try to latch to the nearest person that they can do and drag them to reform the white kaiju. And this is a challenge to to overcome. Otherwise, there might be civilian casualties as they are used as biomass. So white is gonna try to ground herself. So this is gonna be a defense action. And she rolls a four, she has minus three, so she only has a defense one. She tries to gate distance and try to reform herself. So there's a challenge on the board. Yes. And the challenge is saving people before they become biomass for the giant psychic Akira monster. I'm going to try and overcome. Destiny or mastery be applicable in this? Mm, I think mastery will apply. So I'm trying to get people out of here. Yeah. Or snap that thing away from them. You know, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try experimenting in a new way, trying to use my magical lore. I got a five. So I'm going to say to our a few succeed, some of these things, they're going to whip at you and you're going to take three damage. Okay. So how do you save the people from the becoming Akira? Hear me out on this. I think Voidwalker powers are kind of like she's open to one too many gates at this point. And now, like through using magic, I have some limited control of these already opened gates. Mm-hmm. So all these people are now being sucked through that vacuum hole that I don't think she's closed yet back to into the Academy. Yep. So who you end up to next? I'm going to shout, Alyssa, close the gates. 
and pass it off to her again. She closes the gates suddenly, and uh, a lot of things that are part of white, they're going to be on the wrong side of the gate, so that's two damage going on, on her way. And, I mean, she's likely to save. Yeah, she saved it. She losing a lot of her tendons and muscle does not seem to affect her. It seems they are still psychic connected to her somehow. Horrifying. I hate it. Zero stars. How could you do this to me? This is this is my worst nightmare. So who's goes next? I'm going to just punch the kaiju. It is working, working great so far. I mean, I support you punching the kaiju in this moment. The $6 million question I have to ask, do we see Carietta uh, anywhere inside this horrifying thing? I mean, yeah, her skeleton uh, in fire is next to you because Elisa made sure of it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so who goes next? I'm going to, I mean, rinse and repeat the last attack, but I am going to cash out, unless anybody's opposed, we cash out the B plus four boost. So you draw into Berserker's magic how? Last arc, John Doe did something weird. He tapped into the unusual mixture of science and magic that uh, Dolphin, Philip, had. So John Doe closes his eyes and, like, as meditative as he can be, feels around and grabs at the air and then jumps farther than you've ever seen him jump to punch it. An 11. You crack the skull of the skeleton and you hear a scream of pain, but it's a human pain. Just a ball of meat and debris forms around where she was. She became compact. Weird. Right, the kaiju form. Yeah, she just became this pulsating, covered phoenix hag, basically. But gross. John Doe definitely, as he punches it, and that happens, this is really gross. Jensen, uh, why don't you do something weird with, like, muscle chemistry? Shoot it or something. (laughs) (laughs) Shoot it in the face. But it's an egg. Shoot the muscle chemistry. It's pretty gross. Hey, Jensen, why don't you crack that egg? Why don't you call it a good girl? Uh, uh, mm, uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. Um, my instinct as a player is like, man, maybe there is some way that I could use my powers to just like reverse what's going on so that we can get her back to the state of being like just a person that we can talk to. But I don't feel like I don't feel like that's that is a tangible option on the table, really. It is, but it's represented as an attack. I'm going to use Inflict again. So the attack and hinder. Um, so that'll be a transmutation thing, a deep space knowledge again, because some crazy wild sci-fi bullshit. And I think the intent here would be like, boy, we're really stretching the definition of, of what transmutation means. But in this case, like, thank God that there are, there is at least one person on this call who actually knows how things in biology work. I imagine that for this person, this kaiju thing is something of a stress response. Yes. Which means that there are like stress 
hormones and everything being generated, like all of that. I mean, like, you know, to make this physiological reaction happen. That's correct. My thought would be that he would be essentially trying to change those like stress hormones into just like something to help her calm down like to start sending the signals to her brain like hey everything's fine you don't need to panic everything's gonna be okay like that sort of thing really 100% super stretching the definition of what the fuck transmutation is because I don't think it has anything to do with any of that well at the end of the day it's all atoms and algodonic signal and you're all like shit yeah, it wasn't wasn't great. So the attack is going to be a four. Yeah, so the attack probably got in the save. Oh shit, she did not. She got a three. Oh. Oh. Yeah. So she goes down to a d six, and now she has a minus two. I think we can call it like conflicting signals, or crossed wires, or something like that. Just something to indicate that there's two different crossed wires. Yeah. The egg. It seemed to be pulsating with power as if trying to do this too fast and unoffensive. And it seemed to be beating like a racing heart and it seems to be calming down. Yeah, so now she's at D6. So who do you hand off to? I guess I'm going to go ahead and hand off to Carietta. The egg cracks, or rather it kind of unwraps like a flower of meat that is again form wretched in flame but where John Doe crushed the skull you can see partially half the face of a, a young teenage girl that you assume that it's Carietta White and her 2000 stares just peering into the horizon she starts again trying to reform her kaiju form and as it forms there is this dislocation of mass and suddenly there is something big of flames where nothing stood and everyone of you is attacked and she is attacking she's at the six right so she's attacking everyone in the zone for two damage and Elisa saves next to Academy. So this time, this form, instead of being the stretched meat of her, somehow stretched so thinly that it channels power and fire, this is just a construct of fire and it's made from pieces of buildings that are on flame. And she's getting more and more into that and causing this distortion. So there's a bunch of the buildings not immediately next to the fight that are starting to crumble. And if you don't gonna do anything about that, there's no saying where this damage cold hand and the consequences. So there's now another challenge here, which is to stop the chain of crumbling buildings now that she's taking pieces of them. Elias. I'm gonna... Yeah, I'm going to shout to Jensen. Jensen, do you got the buildings? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think she has an AOE is the problem, so I don't think frontline fighting would help be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to try and power strike her. No, but it's more theme. Like, I'm trying to rip the human part of her out. No. Are you going to do it Britishly? 
I, I'm I'm really tempted. I just don't know how I would apply it narratively. <laughs> I will say you will use some form of knowledge that you have learned about dealing with the strange dimensional overlay that you found in Britain. Mm. Ooh, I'm glad I used that boost. She cannot save against that. Yeah, she cannot. I'm trying to rip her out then, uh, if there's anything. So basically you do the same thing that Eliza did before, but you just leap into the fire and use magic to pull her out of the mm-hmm. flame construct. Instead of fighting a kaiju, you are pinning to the ground a teenage girl, teenage cougar, that still has this empty stare. Quickly pass it off to Jensen. It's me, I'm here. I'm a little unclear. What's going on with the buildings? Basically, she uses parts of their foundations to create the new flaming kaiju body, and that is causing them to collapse. Lou, if I use area alteration, which is technically a hinder power, could I make the case that by hindering her access to that, like to those buildings, I could also stop them from collapsing? Would that be a thing? Yeah, it makes sense. This has been a, a very transmutation-heavy fight for Johnny. I haven't fired a gun even once. <laughs> it's, it's weird. I'm not used to that. This normally there's a big. There's just. You wanted to fire the gun during the interview. I, I mean, I certainly wanted to, <laughs> but I didn't, and I feel like I should be applauded for my self-control. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just funny because I just normally normally there's there's just a big sniper rifle involved, and also usually a motorcycle. And this time it's just been like I don't know, man. Let me just go ahead turn this thing into another thing. I got a 12. Hell yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I fuck it up right. Yeah. I mean, because then she's going to get the minus four and she saves a D4. That's basically automatic. Literally, the next action against her automatically takes her out. So this effectively takes her out. So describe how you summon your motorcycle and then go racing through the ruins as you stabilize the buildings and also somehow transmutate her away from uh, being a kaiju to being a human teenager. Okay, I know I keep adding elements to what this motorcycle can do. Can I retcon something in this fight? Yeah. The motorcycle has a remote summon. Like, I have a remote for it where I can just summon it to my location. And I I think as we started the fight, I clicked the remote. And then I was just like, it's going to take forever to get here. And then by this point in the thing, that's when it finally shows up. I just, like, turn to the motorcycle and I'm just like, I'm just like, oh, thank God you're here. And I just, like, jump on. And I imagine, I mean, like, with these buildings collapsing and everything, like, this feels to me like it's kind of a, like, I, I, I'm sorry, I have to use this pull. It just it feels like the most accurate one that I can think of. Like a, a sort of Marvel-esque, like very cinematic scene of just like I am riding the bike like as buildings are collapsing and like as the environment is changing, I just keep kind of finding new like ramps and things to kind of navigate through where I'm jumping from one section to another and my hand is just kind of dragging off one side as I am essentially like transmuting the environment as I'm kind of racing past it. So mostly, I think his concern is just fixing things that are structural and making sure that as few buildings as possible collapse. But also in doing that, I'm kind of cutting Carietta off of the chance to be able to transmute these things anymore. 
I guess, psychically affect these things. She's not a, she doesn't do transmutation. That's my thing. As I kind of do that up to a certain point, he's kind of, as he circles the broader environment, he's kind of getting closer and closer into her. And then finally, once like the physical space has kind of gotten to a point where it's stable, he just gets in close to her and just essentially, I think still uses transmutation to kind of send like a, a shutoff signal to her brain, just being like, and now it's time to go to sleep. And that's just kind of what stops all of this. You are laying on the wreckage and you have this unconscious thing. It is the sole clue that you have to what is happening on the academy yet. Alisa just teleports all of you directly into your home. And the question lies, where are you going to put her? Because she does not seem to be waking up. She seems fine-ish. But clearly, what just happened and maybe what caused this to happen in the first place basically wrecked her that she is on some kind of coma. Where do you take her? First order of business, like we, I mean, put her down in a regular bed. We make her comfortable. We try to like get her into a sort of semi-stable position just for a second. We change clothes. We try to make ourselves presentable again. You know, we've still got to maintain our cover, at least to some extent. And then I think we are going to try and get her to Dr. Oroki. But yeah, I think if it's possible, could I work up like some sort of power dampener or something, something that would help Carietta just keep things like under relative control so she doesn't just burst out into full kaiju mode again? Yeah, you can roll to create a boost. Oh, no, I got a two. That's a whopping one. Wah, wah, wah. Power, power dampener, small. <laughs> you keep her for a while and she stays there overnight and she does not seem to be improving. And you realize that oh, she's going to probably need to be fed and monitored. That might be a constant thing. And you decide, well, this is either going to require one of us to do this permanently or it's going to need medical experience and uh, you call on uh, Frankie and Frankie sends you a contact to a doctor in a North City neighborhood, Dr. Ishida Hiroki, and he comes to your apartment, raises an eyebrow at the situation with the renovation, and he seems to be a young doctor with uh, something of a raven-like posture, and he seems to have this aloof, judgmental stare at everything that they see in the apartment. Please show me your patient. Uh, right this way, doctor. Uh, yes, of course. Hmm. That uniform, that's the Golden Horizon Conservatory. Uh, yes, the, uh, the young Miss White is a, uh, is a student at the conservatory. Hmm. What's your relationship with her? Okay, I think we would have like time like before the doctor got here to discuss this. We would definitely we would definitely have discussed this. Yeah, oh definitely, because you you, you all knew that you will need to, to come up with a, an explanation. Because I know nothing about this girl the side that we were going to meet her. I don't know if she has family here or 
No. You know that she's from the Midwest? That was the thing that was. You know that she does not have family here? And that, that can actually be a clue in because both of you, they are Americans. So your, your girls just say, oh, we are part of the same expat community and she has no family here. So the, we are literally the closest person, people to them. Uh, yeah, I was thinking that just saying like, oh, she's a friend of our daughter's. Yeah. We are just concerned. Yes, she is a friend of our daughter's and she was helping her enrolling at the academy because she just joined. Yeah, I think that's what we would say. That makes the most sense. It's just like we are, you know, we are part of the sex back community. We know her family's not here. She's our daughter's friend. We just like, you know, we like to keep a close eye on her because we're concerned, concerned adults. Yeah. And the doctor seems to buy this as an American thing, even if he seems a bit judgmental about that. So judgy. And he nods, well, you have a relatively clean setup here. I know maybe you will be more comfortable hiring a nurse to take care of her, or I can take her to the clinic if you would prefer that. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Iraqi, he seems to think for a moment, well, she seems to be on a stable enough condition to move her, and it can take a while to find a nurse, especially one willing to work with an American family. So maybe for the next few days, it's better if she stays on the clinic. I think that would be best for everyone involved. But please, here's my card, and I hand him a business card. Say, please feel free to contact me at any point, uh, you know, without her family here. We want to be as supportive of her as possible. So uh, we're just, we're happy to help. Uh, whatever is necessary for her care, we will absolutely take care of it. Yeah. And he goes into the balcony. I was, oh, fuck no. I was going to say, he goes to the balcony and calls his ambulance on the phone and is like, it's the 70s. <laughs> He can use our cord phone that we have in a hallway somewhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he uses your rotary phone and... <laughs> calls his clinic. Especially because it's it's Japan in the 70s, so it's just like they have absolutely still leaned into rotary phones. Buttons? What the fuck is that? Gold Agonies is an associate of Court Games and D20 Raid. Joaquin Jarv, aka Berserkir, is played by Brent Torreson. They can be found at Copper Credit almost everywhere. Check out their other podcasts, Splinters of Jade and L5R Thriller Actual Play. They are available for editing work. Message them for rates. 
Johnny Jennings, aka The Highwayman, is played by Sam Sedlatze. They can be found at SGCADelaysec on Instagram and Young Space Dead on Twitter. They are largely imperceivable. John Doe is played by Bradley Handler. You can follow him at Judge the Barbarian on Twitter or as co-writer on Split Roll, where he screams his opinions at you. Ludo handles the rest. You can find them at The Lettel and more of her stuff as Agonizing Crimson at Itchio or co-writing Split Roll. Citadel Comics RPG is the property of Greater Than Games and designed in collaboration with Critical Hits. Crimson Gold Agonies is possible through the support of listeners like you. You can support us on Patreon or even better, you can review us on iTunes and you can spread the word because there is no better way to get into a podcast because a friend told us about it. Such as, for example, Snyder's Return. Snyder's Return is a tabletop role-playing game interviews and actual play podcast. We interview content creators, Twitch streamers, and fellow podcasters, and we put out our own actual play using a variety of different systems. So come and join us, come and have a listen. You can find us on Twitter at Return Snyder. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, or check out our website at www.snidersreturn.squarespace.com.